0: Welcome to PNH Expanded. This is Mike. And uh, sorry that this is probably a little late in coming out uh, today. Um, it was uh, uh, unintentional and uh, hope it's all good. I uh, really enjoyed that game yesterday. Really did. Uh, I uh, was upset at the very end that we didn't get a clean sheet uh, and that we played a high line in the 90 fourth, fifth minute or whatever it was and wrist an equaliser but looking back on the entirety of that game to have that much possession have that many chances that can't be anything but encouraging and, and for as much as I'm complaining in my blog sort of, kind of, about the lack of a potent striker I knew that before the game started and what happened was of no surprise, you know, Lacazette does offer us some uh, value, there's no doubt about it, and he's had some great games this season. But I wasn't surprised. What I was surprised about was the level of domination. It was quite something. Uh, 80% in any game in the Premier League is almost unheard of. There's probably a few City games... Where they can say they had 80% in one half, uh, but Brentford couldn't mount anything. Uh, I think it was about the 15th minute before I saw them make three or four passes in a row. And uh, I just thought we were just so well organized uh, defensively, which seems to be uh, a commonplace thing now. It's quite delightful, isn't it? Uh, love it. Love it. Probably the reason why I was so upset at the end that we didn't keep a clean sheet because we, we we thoroughly deserve to, right? I think so. I really do. Anyhow, moving on to the sliding doors moment of the game, I always like to pick out the moment that I think that the game turned, changed. Uh, as I think that that's always interesting. Uh, and I'm going to go for whatever happened at half-time um, because we came out and scored in the 48th minute... And we were far more direct. And I don't know why that hasn't been pushed more and pushed from the, the outset of the game. Uh, but, but for whatever reason, it, it wasn't so. But Smith-Rowe's run and just the vertical passing seemed like it had to be instruction in the first half because it kept happening in the second half. And it wasn't necessarily when Brentford were chasing the game either. Uh, we just seem to be more direct and giving our wingers, in particular, more opportunity for one on one rather than one on two. So, without knowing for sure what happened in the changing room at half time, I'm going to give the coaching staff the credit for what I think was a good instruction. Okay, here's a positive that I wanted to uh, pick out that is probably going to get missed and may not seem important. After the game yesterday, in particular, but uh, the solidity of our back five. So, I've talked about the clean sheets and being upset that we didn't get one, and that speaks sort of uh, clearly as well. But I guess it's just important that we look at what we've got, and we've we've gone on gotten this group of five that Tommy Yasser, of course, wasn't. Uh, playing, but uh, and Cedric played fairly fairly well. But we've got this group, this core of five that have played most of all the season, and I've got a a good understanding and relationship. But um, it's not just that they are good signings, good players, uh, creating good partnerships. What I wanted to state was how, having played football myself and, and now coached forever, how I know that that affects the mentality of the other players on the team, the other units, the other combinations, the other positions, and how that makes them feel about... um, how, How it just gives them the freedom to release the baggage of concern that an attacker, a midfielder can have when they go out onto the field if they feel like they can't trust their back five. Now, in the modern game, as we all know, it's a team game. It's a team game going up and it's a team game going back. But there are many occasions where you can see, for example, Saka and or Smithrow or Martinelli coming back a certain distance but feeling so comfortable in the fact that Tomiyasu and Tierney, for example, are handling the situation and if they're caught high up the field, that Gabrielle and White, when the ball is played down the channel, are quick enough and reliable enough to clean it up without the emergency red flashing light having to go on. And therefore, I feel like that that gives them that freedom of knowing that they can focus on their position and in order for you to get back out and get back on the other half of the field it's a whole lot more complicated than just simply launching the ball into the other half of the field and all running up there. <laughs> that sounds very 1980s, doesn't it? But you need outlet passes ideally. You don't ideally want Saka playing alongside um, Tommy Esu. You want him to be 10 yards in advance of Tomiyasu. Let Tomiyasu, if possible, do his job, win the ball and and release Saka and give the other team a conundrum of how many men that they throw forward. So I think that the back five is, is giving comfort to our wingers. It's giving comfort to Arteta, allowing him to uh, try this single pivot with Thomas Partey as more of a defensive midfielder and Odegaard and Xhaka as eights in advance because that's what's happening. And we didn't seem to like that a while ago and said it wasn't working. But as with many things in sport in general, they're not going to work straight away. And the fact that they don't work straight away is more of a, a slight on society, really, isn't it? And how we are so impatient uh, and or we are quick to want to go and type something judgmental about what we've just seen and be the first to say it, right? So I think that Arteta's gone to that single pivot and moved away from two defensive midfielders alongside each other for the most part because he trusts the back five. I think in the future we'll see how it's also going to allow the eights when we get an eight, who is a little bit more forward-thinking, more of a goal scorer, almost like a Joe Willock type, um, that that we'll see that. That's not going to happen until we we sign that player or play somebody like Smith Rowe as an eight, if, if that is the future. But um, a player playing midfield who has the ability, like Ramsey used to, to make third-man runs and get into the box is only going to do it under instruction or with his own creativity if he feels like the back door is shut. Otherwise, he's going to be cautious to do it and will get caught between doing a lot of nothing. Um, So there's just a few points to back up the knock-on effect, I think, to what I think the... um, the mental state that our back five puts the rest of the team in. There's others. But I'll move on. Uh, the need that I wanted to pick out... Uh, I talked about this in the piece today. I talked about the corner kicks. And it's not, an again, an emergency. Uh, it's not a, even a long-standing issue. We seem to have cleaned up our corner kicks, offered a little more variety been successful in uh, a fair few corner kicks this year but when you have was it 16 in total it was some insane number that I claimed was 390 in the blog today but uh, I just expect and expected Arsenal to offer more variety and and what I want to say beyond that is of all the cute corners that we've done I don't know that there's one that I think wow that's some high level movement thinking blocking um something original that the other team's not seen from anybody else in the league and uh I say this comedically but uh my son Max is uh, the tactics guru on our high school soccer team over here in Tennessee and he has been since he's nine years old of course that is a little cute title that I gave him because he wanted a title because he's always hanging around his dad right and um, I had to embroider something on his cool Adidas uh, pants I guess I'm being American here but um, and he wanted tactics guru but he's got quite this mind for coming up with set plays to the point where the boys on the team who are are about six years older than him go to him to ask him for his ideas for in swinging free kicks, corner kicks, set plays because the kid watches more football than uh, probably all of us put together. No joke. And uh, and he's born with a creative mind. And if he can do it, then I think Arsenal and Nicholas Jova, our set piece coach, can be A little bit more creative and come up with uh, some game-winning corner kicks. I've seen a couple, but I was a bit concerned about what I saw yesterday. Uh, Okay, I'm hoping that moving forward that we start on Thursday quickly. We started quickly yesterday, and that was great. It been needed for a long time. I think what's going to happen on Thursday is that Wolves are going to show up and they're going to be angry. Uh, it seemed like they were really bothered about how we reacted to uh, the win at Molyneux a few weeks ago. And I think they're going to be here angry. So they're coming to our place. And if they're angry, well, you just need to put them in their place and you do it quickly. You don't let their anger um, exceed any... Uh, or get to a, get to a place where it affects their game in a positive way. You use the crowd, you use the the advantage that you have to to quash that um, and, and even make their anger turn into a negative for them. Uh, don't let it motivate them. Quash it, quash it early. So I'm really looking for a quick start against Wolves. Put them in their place. Um, that's how I feel. I want to finish by talking about some striker options. I've done this a few times had a few more thoughts. Uh, I do wonder about Martinelli. I wonder, are they grooming him truly to be our future striker? I wouldn't be surprised because his skill set uh, is leans that way, doesn't it? But then, does it lean that way in a striker from an era that might be fading? There are quite a few teams that are relying on their wide attackers for the goals. I always point to Liverpool and City. There are others around as well in Europe that are doing the same thing. Uh, Of course, Bayern Munich have uh, relied, not relied, but they've used their their wingers for a stack of goals over the years and uh, not just Lenton Lewandowski. They have all three of them. I just wonder how that's going to go. Are we going to get a goal-scoring centre-forward or are we going to get somebody like Liverpool do who's creative first and a goal-scorer second? Um, And are we just going to lean into getting the goals out wide? If we do, I, I do think that there's a chance that Raheem Sterling is actually an option for us. I don't believe he's signed that contract at City yet and he's back on form... And we'd be forced to ignore that possibility even though we have some great wide forwards. I wonder if the interest in Izak, who I'm proud of the club for not using his buyout clause for 75 million. Sorry, I paused there trying to think there. 75 million. It's not worth that. Not yet anyway. But I wonder if we were to sign him if he'd actually be a centre forward. I wonder if we'd use him on the left. Because I see a lot of um, well, I guess I see a lot of Martinelli in him. I think they could rotate. raffle Liao at AC Milan, I think we've been linked with him fairly recently. He's another one. Gosh. I've always loved him, seen so much potential in him, but now there's becoming some end product. So, again, I'm wondering if our signing is somebody out wide and we shift Martinelli to the middle. I wonder if it'll be one of those guys, so... If it's not, if it's just a traditional centre-forward, uh, which, honestly, I think I would do if I was given the reins, uh, I think my number one choice now, I wanted Vlajevic for over a year, is actually Brogier, uh the Chelsea forward at Southampton. And I had to get out of my state of snobbery... Um, when I first was told that I need to pay attention to this guy that I'd watched play for Albania at Wembley and wasn't impressed by, and I was told to watch him. And I've got two friends who support Southampton, and they were pushing me to watch him. And I've got to admit, if you take away the Saints shirt, which never makes me feel too confident and comfortable when it comes to signing a new player, I see a centre-forward potentially with everything. Um I mean everything. He is I think six foot three, strong, but uses his strength. Um not six foot three and built like Isaac either, he's six foot three and he's a uh he's got some muscle on him. And he plays with it, uses it, uh he's quick, he's fast, he knows where the goal is, he's a good finisher. He's good in the air, he's good with his hold up play, his link play. And, well, if you take the Southampton shirt off and maybe you throw, let's say, a Juventus shirt on him, then he looks probably more like a world-beater just because the shirt he's wearing. And so when I'm thinking of transfers, I always have to remove the shirt, so to speak, you know, or put the player in another shirt or try to neutralise that thought and just look at the player, not the shirt... Having said that, of course, Southampton have produced some fine players for uh, many teams, you know Liverpool in particular. The last ten years or so, I'm not sure Chelsea are going to sell him to us, but um, stranger things have happened. There's a guy playing in Ge- Lu- uh, Germany, Lucas uh, Nemecha, um, who has a similar profile. Sometimes he's used on the wing, sometimes he's used at centre forward. Quick, strong, fast, good in the air. He's currently out with a broken leg, I think. But we'll see him back at the end of the season, I think in April in the Bundesliga. Uh, And I wonder if he'll be maybe more of a backup player for Arsenal. Uh, Keep an eye on that one. Uh, Schumacher, uh, Sassuolo. Uh, He looks um, rather exciting. Golly, he's even taller. I think he's about 6'4", 6'5". And he's... Much like Brozier, he's quick, he's good in the air, he's got some fabulous link play for a one so young. Um, Of course, that would be a risk, bigger risk, because he's never played in the league and he's young. Um, But I trust our recruitment team. Um, Last one. Last one is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And so we all know about him and what he's capable of doing and maybe he's the safest bet. Uh, He's the one that's played in the Premier League. He's achieved um, at least one, maybe one and a half season of uh, playing consistently at a high level and troubling all the centre-backs on all of the good, uh, average and poor teams in the Premier League. Um, uh, Just again, like Brozier, I just don't know if Everton would sell him. They would probably consider themselves Arsenal's equal somewhat as we've been swimming around in the same part of the table as them the last few years, and they wouldn't want to strengthen us. Uh, You know, I think he would have to push for it, Um, and I think he probably would, but that doesn't mean he gets his wish. So there's a a few names just to consider. It'd be super interesting to see, more so the style of centre-forward that we end up with, and whether we go for two strikers to replace Bamiyang and Lacazette that are the same and can be rotated, same profile, or two complete opposites, a false nine type like an Olathebel at uh, Real Sociedad and a target man like Calvert-Lewin. That's all for the future. For right now, thank you for reading the piece. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate it always. It's late here. I'm yawning. Thanks. Cheers. ta da.